Hey everyone, my name is Nick. And my name's Kat. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Made for You and Me, an educational and entertaining podcast about the history, geology, wildlife, and other fun facts within America's best idea, the national parks. It has been a couple weeks since we've been in the studio, a.k.a. (laughs) Kat's dining room. We recorded our last two episodes back to back on the same night and then took a little bit of a break to just have a break, but also get together the amazingness of what season two is going to be. We kicked it off strong. I hope that you liked last week's episode of America's 63rd National Park. I really enjoyed that episode. I did, too. I think everyone else did. You should share it if you listen to it. You should share it with everybody. Agreed. (laughs) Every person. But on all the social medias, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, Mm -hmm. everyone you've ever met, dead or alive. Yeah, basically like go through your third grade class and look them all up and let them know that you found a really cool podcast. Sounds great. Okay. Great. Well, I guess we have like a little bit of updating, Kat. I think that you owe all of us. We spoke about our New Year's resolutions a couple weeks ago. I have one edit to mine, but I'll let you go first because I think you were going to share a word that you were going to embody for the year. Mm -hmm. So I talked about how I wake up in the middle of the night and I stress about everything Mm -hmm. that I've ever done and Nothing else, basically. So a lot of that, um, regardless of if it was like something that happened yesterday or something that happened 15 years ago, is something that I said. And I just need to really, truly believe in what I say and then not care what other people think. So I think that'll help, right? I think so. I mean, that's a hard call to action. But anyway, so my word for the year is authenticity. Oh, that's really good. I think so, too. I really like that. Mm-hmm. So what are you, what's your edit to yours? My edit is that, so whenever I was developing the list of my New Year's resolutions at the end of 2020, we were having really good weather. Mm-hmm. And the weeks that I was kind of getting back into running weren't the busiest at work. And working from home, I was like able to just randomly run whenever I wanted, like during the day before picking up Cooper from daycare and before it was nighttime. And we also just had nice weather. So I was just doing a lot of running. So I've edited my running resolution slightly to just more cardio. So I've been going to the gym after sunset daily. And on days that it's cardio, I've just get on the elliptical and put on one of my programs and just do the elliptical for 30 minutes. And it's great. And I burn hella calories, very similar to running, even better on your joints. But I was like, oh, shoot, like I don't like running in the cold or the dark, but I still (laughs) want to stick to my resolution. So that's my edit. Isn't programs like the term that like people 70 and older use for like tv shows probably i want to watch my My programs (laughs) there's another word for it too (laughs) yeah it just it hit my ear funny (laughs) yeah so that's what i do and it's also easier because i do like to listen to podcasts whenever i run Mm -hmm. and or music uh, but it's makes the time go by faster whenever you're on an elliptical and you can watch something, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I really like the bicycles where you have to change the, your gears based on what you're seeing on the screen. And oh. you're like, actually, because I just get lost in Those it. Those are cool. Those yeah. are really cool. Yeah. And exercise gyms. can be made fun sometimes. 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 In that case, it can be. 
So that's been my only change other than but just like... But everything else is going well. Like you're doing other things. Well. You're super flexible. You're not super bending flexible, over at your Not leaning hips. over. Haven't bought any new clothes. Yeah. I got a haircut today. I'm feeling good. It looks great. Like I should. Thank you. I actually... Uh, okay, so... Cooper woke me up this morning like clockwork at 7.36, like he always does. We went outside, we did business, I made coffee, and we got in the car to go to daycare. Dropped him off at daycare. Sweet boy. Love him so much. He's always so excited to go to daycare. It's just like warms my heart. But anyway, dropped him off, came home. I saw myself in the mirror. And Kat, the pandemic and quarantine has significantly lowered my standards for how I present myself. And I like haven't gained 30 pounds or become a major slob, but the frequency at which I take care of my um, beauty regimen, if you will, has really suffered. And so I was looking in the mirror. I I had an unshaped face, unbrushed teeth. Like (laughs) I was wearing my glasses and I had (laughs) fingerprints and smudges on my glasses. I had long ass scraggly uncombed hair and I was wearing sweatpants. And okay, my sweatshirt, I kid you not, a few years ago for Christmas, I got a sweatshirt that has a drawing of a sloth on it. And it says, sloths, I like you not so much. (laughs) And so... I was like, these poor employees at Cooper's Daycare really had to see me like this <laughs> this morning. So I got it together and I shaved and I got a haircut. I even put on deodorant. It was great. But man, that hit me hard this morning. That's a vibe, though. I mean, <laughs> it, it is. And sometimes it's like, you know, we're just all cruising along and we're not seeing nearly as many people as we do. But I was still like, woof. No, I'm the complete opposite because I've just been staring at myself. And now, even worse, the way that I have my desk set up, I need a light in front of me. And the only light that I have, and I'm just the kind of person I'm not going to buy something new if I don't have to, is an old, like, from my dorm room mirror that has Um. a light on it. So... One, if my glasses are on, it looks like I have one of those like selfie yeah. like <laughs> thing. Like I'm that person. But um also there's a mirror beside me, even when the zoom mm. is not on, because that's my life right now. So I need to buy a light, but yeah. it won't help with the zoom situation. But anyway, my eyebrows are perfect. They look so good. <laughs> Thank and you. your hair. Mm. You are rocking and a rolling. Mm, mm, Opposite mm. of me this morning. I feel great now and I'm a new man and I'm ready to conquer the but world. But I haven't but brushed my teeth in at least two months, so you got me on that. <laughs> at least two months. <laughs> well, if you got a mask on, hopefully nobody knows. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, well, without further ado, Kat, should we get into today's topic? I think we shall. Today, we're going to Banff National Park. And Kat, did you know Banff National Park is in Canada? I do now. (laughs) So even though we are obviously a podcast about America's best idea, colon, the national parks, once a season at least, we're going to venture international to a different park. And last season was Torres del Paine National Park in Chile. And today we're going a little bit north to Canada. We are. I have another um, did you know really quickly. Okay. Did you know that it's really hard to say Banff, <laughs> not Banff. It is. <laughs> you got to really work on that end. Yes. Yeah. So we're saying Banff, B-A-N-F-F, 
national park. I'm probably not going to say that, but well, we we get it. We but get it. Yeah, we get it. Just it's it's, it's difficult to train your brain <laughs> to if, use that end. If you were like me and you heard Nick say it in the best places to celebrate Christmas episode. Yeah. I totally thought it was with an M because mm-hmm. I've never really looked into it. I'm sure everyone else in the world knows this. But anyway, <laughs> it's not. There's an N. It's a huge not N. Anyway. And Kat, before you really get into it today, I am so excited. I'm honored. Why? I am jazzed to the max because today's episode is sponsored by Soul Terra Shop. Solterra Shop makes it easy to shop eco-friendly products with easy-to-read ingredients. Shop from a variety of clothing and home travel products from baseball caps and t-shirts to shampoo bars and exfoliating aloe. All Solterra Shop apparel is made from recycled plastic, hemp, or 100% organic cotton. The bath and body products are made with all natural and organic ingredients. Through offering products that help reduce a consumer's carbon footprint, Solterra Shop hopes to inspire others to choose more environmentally conscious products without chemicals, preservatives, or unsustainable ingredients. Made for you and me listeners can receive a 10% discount with the promo code Made for podcast ten one zero all one word. Learn more and shop at www.soulterrashop.com. That's spelled S O L T E R R A shop.com. I absolutely love their products. I'm looking at them right now. They are, they keep it small and their stuff is good. They don't have like a huge array of anything you could ever think of. They have honed in on good products that they Mm -hmm. know that they can make with environmentally friendly products and good and in an ethical way. And they went for it. I also love their Instagram. It has like education, eco tips, new news. So they're worth a follow too. All good stuff. Check them out. And thanks Solterra for being part of this Made For You And Me episode. Great. Well, now that we know the correct pronunciation and even the correct spelling, let's provide some background information. Banff National Park is located in the Canadian Rockies in the province of Alberta. It encompasses 2,500 square miles, which is about eight times the size of New York City. Not just Manhattan, mind you, but all of New York City. Banff has mountains, glaciers, ice fields, dense forests, and alpine landscapes. It was established in 1885, and in 2019, there were 4 million visitors. 4 million? So, the popular place. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about it, but it makes total sense, because this place is so cool. I'm a little bit biased. Obviously, I haven't been to every national park in the world, but like I mentioned in the Christmas episode, so fortunate that I have have the experience of going to Banff National Park and it's truly like not a surprise at all that there are four million visitors because it's just one of the greatest places in my opinion which I'm typically right about most everything so okay okay uh history shall we do it mystery history mystery 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 (laughs) we're gonna start like we always do with indigenous peoples 
Archaeological evidence indicates that the first human activity in Banff was 10,300 BC. Prior to European contact, the area that is now Banff National Park was home to many indigenous peoples who utilized the area to hunt, fish, trade, travel, survey, and practice their culture. Duh, obviously. Many areas within Banff National Park are still known by their Stony Nakoda tribe names, such as Lake Miniwakana and the Wapatuk Range. Sadly, the Stony Nakoda were removed from Banff National Park between 1890 and 1920. The Canadian National Parks Act had no consideration for the natives. Instead, the land was taken from them and placed under ownership of the federal government, who wished to set aside the land for sport hunting. The Nakoda people were forbidden from hunting on the land that had sustained them for thousands of years. But recently, this poor decision of the Canadian government has been brought to light and the Nakoda people have been able to begin to reconnect with some of their sacred sites and traditional lands through a series of initiatives in cooperation with Parks Canada. Although there is still much more progress to be made. Yes. So keep it up, Canada. Right those wrongs. Establishing the park is Quite an interesting story. Throughout its history, Banff National Park has been shaped by tension between conservationist and land exploitation interest, which tales all this time. We've been there, talked about that. The park was established on November 25th, 1885 as Banff Hot Strings Strings? <laughs> as, Hot String Bikini. <laughs> as Banff Hot Springs Reserve in response to conflicting claims over who discovered the hot springs there and who had the right to develop the hot springs for commercial interest. The conservationists prevailed when the prime minister set aside the hot springs as a small protected reserve, which was later expanded to include Lake Louise and other areas extending north to the Columbia Icefield. Under the Rocky Mountains National Park Act in 1887, the park was expanded to 260 square miles and renamed Rocky Mountains Park. This was Canada's first national park and the third established in North America after Yellowstone and Mackinac National Parks. The Canadian Pacific Railway built the Banff Hot Springs Hotel and Lake Louise Chateau to attract tourists and increase the number of rail passengers. And those two places are still there today and they are immaculate and beautiful and massive and is just, we pointed this out in previous episodes, but just goes to show the power that the rail had back then. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They built these incredible places that today are like pristine, top of the line. If you are staying in these places, you either have some money or have <laughs> saved up some money to really treat yourself to a really cool place to stay. But where these places are located are just obviously breathtaking. And then seeing these castle-like chateaus and hotels in the background is just like super cool. So that- Also goes to show that breathtaking views can bring breathtaking amounts of money. <laughs> Heck yeah, you said it. Um, which for me is like a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's. I'll take my breath. About away. twice as much as I need. <laughs> um, so continuing on, early on, Banff was popular with wealthy European and American tourists. Some visitors participated in mountaineering activities and often hired local guides. By 1911, Banff was accessible by automobile from Calgary, which was a big deal for tourism. That you didn't. 
that you could enter the park by way of more than just the railroad, but by car. So that was a big deal. In 1902, the park was expanded to cover over 4,000 square miles. Remember, today it's 2,500 square miles. But in 1902, it had over 4,000 square miles, but... Bowing to the pressure from grazing and logging interests, the size of the park was reduced in 1911 to 1,800 square miles, eliminating many eastern foothill areas from the park. Park boundaries changed several more times until 1930, and the area of Banff was fixed at 2,586 square miles with the passage of the National Parks Act. The act, which took effect in 1930, also renamed the park Banff National Park, named for the Canadian Pacific Railway Station, which in turn was named after the Banffshire region in Scotland. So it had three names, and its current name was named after something, which is named after something. Right. It was funny, (laughs) as you were saying all of that, this is like the first time I've read over Nick's notes before we went and I was like oh I have something to say about that I'm like oh that's the next thing he's about to say (laughs) because I read his notes (laughs) perfect but yeah bamp bamp (laughs) bamp Hold on. Bampshire 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 is a region in Scotland never been there sounds great a lot of consonants back to back to you're back right in the middle yeah, of that lots of consonants it's like we're in ikea but it's a national park <laughs> <laughs> okay go okay well now that we're giggling um let's ruin that with a little bit of a downer <laughs> did you know cat sorry i need to stop laughing because this isn't funny <laughs> okay Okay, so Kat, actually, during World Wars I and II, Banff National Park was used as an internment camp. Do you know what an internment camp is? I do because I read your notes. Okay, so for (laughs) listeners who do not know or might be a little bit unsure, internment is the imprisonment of people commonly in large groups without charges or intent to file charges. The term is especially used for the confinement of, this is in quotes, enemy citizens in wartime or of terrorism suspects so it is a it is proactively imprisoning suspected people of crimes instead of people committing crimes and then arresting them but it's also in large groups and historically very unethical right i mean and then Obviously. and then they didn't just bring them there to a, a beautiful right. uh, place. They made them work. They made them work. So actually, during World Wars One and Two in Banff National Park, immigrants of immigrants from Austria, Hungary, Germany, and the Ukraine were sent to work in internment camps. Much early infrastructure and road construction was done by men of various Slavic origins, although Ukrainians constructed a majority of those held in Banff. Historical plaques and a statue erected by the Ukrainian-Canadian Civil Liberties Association commemorate those interned at Castle Mountain and a cave at Bazin National Historic Site, where an interpretive pavilion dealing with Canada's first national internment operations opened in September 2013. So we have these places to commemorate it, but still a very awful and strange part of history to this park. Yeah, um, it shouldn't make me feel slightly better that Canada does have 
some dark parts of history because I'm sure everywhere does, but mm-hmm. you just feel like Canada is just bright and shiny. That was my first thought whenever I found this. Yeah. I was like, that's... And staying up to current events like I do, I know that today there is a lot of discussion around the Canadian government limiting the rights of Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't very surprising that a European colonized area um, was having similar issues and similar patterns of history like we do in America because obviously I grew up here and I learned all about that and I know that but this about internment camps was surprising I don't know wasn't it like Acadia where they just kept coming and yeah like so it was probably all the people from that were trying to take over Acadia were like oh we're just gonna go west we're gonna go north and west and we're gonna try to find a new place and try to find a new place um, so that is bummer. It's um, a part of history that we have to recognize and uh, not let anything like that happen again. Well put. So let's go on to Great Depression aid. In 1931, the government of Canada enacted the Unemployment and Farm Relief Act, which provided public works projects in the national parks during the Great Depression. So this is really cool because the federal government provided jobs to individuals who were suffering from the Great Depression, and workers constructed new park amenities and roads and other tasks around Banff town site and construction of a highway that connected Banff and Jasper National Parks. In 1934, the Public Works Construction Act was passed, providing continued funding for the public works project. They probably stole that great idea from us, too, because we did the same thing. Oh, like with building our highways? Mm, Some national park stuff, too. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, this is how it should have been done (laughs) and not imprisoning people and making them work for free. Yes. So great call with the Great Depression aid. Horrible call, obviously, with internment camps. Um, That's all I got on the history, Kat. Do you have any thoughts or anything to add about that? No. I think you did a great job. Um, (laughs) Really sad and also uh, glad to learn something new. That's right. That's what we're here for. All right. Well, Kat and I are going to take a break and we will be back shortly. Hey, everyone. We are back. Thanks I, for sticking that around. That was quick. I didn't realize we were back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <It was just laughs> like... We were in mid-conversation. I was like, we're starting. Yeah, um, yeah we are back. Um, thanks again to Solterra for sponsoring today's episode, even though you just listened to an ad as well for anchor sorry but that's probably not going anywhere because we get like 15 cents or something for every listen so you know just we need the 15 yeah cents just in our you life. know just it get used to it and if, if you really are not a fan of the anchor ad in the middle of every episode uh then hook us up with some contacts for people who can give us more than 15 cents. more than 15 cents per listen for future episodes that'd be really great we could have an auction a, like a live auction on our instagram be like 32 cent 30.32.5 cent cat's got some ideas <laughs> yeah so if you don't like that sorry but also like not sorry anyway sorry not sorry <laughs> uh we talked about history of banff national park before the break and now we're coming back hot with nature a little wildlife a little a little geology? Not really. All right. So I had a really great time looking through the Banff website because it's not the National Park Service. It's 
the Canadian it's park. Parks Canada. Parks is that what Canada. They call yes, and um, they break down animals and plants differently than we do, but it's actually a little mm. bit more like it just makes sense. So it'll be like mammals, large animals, small animals, hooved animals. Others. <laughs> so Others. I really enjoyed looking through that website. Cool. Um, it, I'm really pleased with the animals that we're going to talk about today. Um, and then we'll talk about why plants was a little different later on. But anyway, shall we Shall we dive in? Let's do it. Take it away. All righty. So our first animal is the Clark's Nutcracker. This is a bird that to me looks like the love child of a blue jay and a magpie. Great description. <clears throat> Thanks. Um, they're white and black and gray, and they have a long, thin black beak. So if we're talking about parents of the Nutcracker, you may want to consider the squirrel as a milkman. So somehow the milkman got involved in this okay. whole situation. <laughs> um, you see, the Clark's Nutcracker is an essential seed burying critter. Burying. Burying. B-U-R-Y-I-N-G. I said it like 30 times. Like burying, but instead we're but using really, the word burying. No. Why would you say burying? <laughs> burying. Burying. Like, what are you doing? I'm burying this body. <laughs> well, how do you spell that? Oh. Well, but how do you say? I know. Oh, so like, I stared at like the word. business and you busyness. Know, when I was oh like my gosh, in we're second. about to get into something. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Okay. When I was like in second grade, I was never afraid to like say a word I didn't know how to pronounce like in class because I was always right. Good. I was also in Tarboro, North Carolina. So, so not a lot of competition. But now, like every week, it's just <clears throat> I want to bury myself. Bury. Oh, okay. I get exactly what you're saying. So we're saying the same word. I thought you were saying like. Uh, I'm going to sound so stupid. You were thinking I thought you were burrowing. Saying, like, I was combining <laughs> burying and burrowing. And in my mind, because I also recently listened to a podcast episode on the English language versus the British britannica language and so i was thinking of like oh my gosh that's like the canadian word for like berry like how brits like have a u in the word color my mind was somewhere <laughs> completely different so thanks for bringing me back wow they put nuts in the ground and then they cover them up nice <laughs> nailed it okay <laughs> so without the clark's nutcracker Banff would have many less white bark pine, which are like the tree that you see there a lot. These pine trees have cones. And like many other pine cones, these cones do not just fall to the ground, bust open, and spread their seed all over. That is not how it goes. Um, so instead, the nutcracker does just as its name says, except for instead of nuts, it cracks cones. Cone cracker. They should have been called the Clark's Cone Cracker because I love alliteration anyway. So typically whenever a pine tree drops its cones, the cone itself knows how to distribute the seeds. But in the case of the white bark pine mm -mm. tree. None of the pines know how to do that. Oh. That's why sometimes you have to have fire for pine trees oh. because sometimes like the fire is the only way to bust it open. Interesting. And that's also why pine nuts cost so much. I've never been in the market for pine nuts, so... <gasps> they cost a lot. Wow. Okay. So the nut cracker slash cone cracker helps increase the white bark pine population? 
because they crack the cone open. They go nom 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 on a few of the seeds, and then they bury a few for dinner later. But also, just like squirrels, they forget about half of the seeds that they plant each year, or bury each year. (laughs) Therefore, these seeds end up becoming trees that can then feed more nutcrackers in the future. I love that. I always knew that about squirrels, that however many oak trees are planted every year because squirrels forget where they hid their nuts, which to me is so funny and so cute. But I love that there's something very similar going on in Canada like that. So, yeah, it is cute. And um, I didn't know that birds put anything in the ground for later. So it must be like a winter wonderland kind of animal trait. Cool. Which makes sense. All right. So my next critter is interesting because you don't find many of these in cold weather. Actually, when I was doing my research, I read that there are only four amphibians and one reptile that are found in Banff. However, this isn't an amphibian or a reptile. (laughs) It's just related because, you know, things that are cold-blooded and they need something to keep them warm don't usually live in areas covered in snow most of the time. So um, these are actually little tiny snails. (laughs) They're probably the size of the seed that the nutcracker opened oh, the pine Oh, that is cone little, tiny. Little, little guys. These snails are more relatable than most animals that we found in Banff because they live in the hot springs. Nice. <laughs> what a life. Just soaking up the warmth, taking things slow, and admiring those beautiful logarithmic spirals on your shell. They don't have a bad. They have a good life. So although it may be warm, this is still a really unusual place to live. The hot springs are actually low in oxygen and high in hydrogen sulfide. However, these snails have adapted to live here happily. And although they are happy where they live, this is actually why they are the most at-risk species in the park. So their numbers and population are dwindling. And if you think about it, um, they've adapted to live in this really harsh environment where there's little oxygen and lots of sulfide. So when changes in the environment or interruptions happen, they really have nowhere else to go. Oh. Yeah. So So they're stuck to where they are or they die. Yes. Oh. And they're not found anywhere else in the world. Really? This is the only place. Wow. So if we mess this up, they're gone forever, <laughs> which is just kind of sad. But yeah. people putting their dirty butts in the hot springs could be one of the few reasons why the population is getting smaller. There are some, and I say air quotes, more natural reasons why the population could be decreasing, but they all have to do with human impact and climate change. So, You kids and your dirty butts, stay out of the hot springs. Stay out of the, well, but you can go in the hot springs. Well, clean your butts before you go in the hot springs. Or just don't. (laughs) I don't know. So Parks Canada does have a research and recovery program for the snail, and they have started to um, close some of the pools in order to reestablish the populations. Yay. Yay. It's a cute little snail. Everyone should check it out. My last animal is also classified as a wildlife species at risk in the park, but as an organism, it's anything but vulnerable. When you think about a wolverine, you either think of two things. You probably think of big scary teeth and long sharp claws, and you are right. Or you think of an X-Man character. 
where you were also right, but you were listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Hugh Jackman, though. He's one of my favorite actors. I was super irritated that I Googled picture of Wolverine. And And they were all Hugh. Not only was it that, you know the top of the screen where it gives you like different options that you could click? I had to scroll right Uh. and then it said real life was how you, like you have to type in real life Wolverine. (laughs) Justice for the Wolverine, the animal. Well, and they're going extinct, so someone should probably care about them more than that yellow and blue character. But anyway, what you probably don't think of is a weasel, which is actually what the Wolverine is. It's the largest member of the weasel family. Wow, (laughs) news to me. Yeah. Think about it, where they, like, run. They, like, kind of do the little weasel gallop. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. They use their predator-like features to hunt small animals and sometimes even large animals like caribou if they think that they're hurt or something. I know. They also throw in some fruits and veggies to keep it healthy. Now, interestingly enough, as you can probably guess, things get weird when it comes to mating in the cold, harsh wilderness. While males mark their territory very well so that other males will try to avoid their territory, territory, that is not the same for females. Male wolverines may have multiple families and distribute all of their love. They keep all of that love in their oversized paws. Oh. But even with polygamy, it's not enough to keep the populations from dwindling. Although wolverines used to wander as far south as Colorado, they are now mostly found only in Canada. And just like most things, human settlement and the change in the environment caused by humans have pushed them out of the places where they used to roam. Tip. I feel like a broken record. I know, I know. We're not going to dwell on it. We're here to share information, and we've done it. Done! But yeah, Justice Folder Wolverine. I mean, they're doing their thing. Yeah. You keep doing you. Okay. Next, I decided instead of focusing on a specific plant or animal, I would give you kind of an overview of two different aspects of the park because they're really important and I find them both very interesting. So we're going to start with water. We're going to do water and we're going to do land. There's actually a lot of really great fishing in Banff. Of course, this is catch and release fishing because there's a zero collection amount for fishing in the park. Did not know that. Yes. Cool. So you can catch all the fish you want. You just got to throw them back. Mm -hmm. Cool. However, fishing has an interesting history in Banff. So in the past, the people who ran the management programs for fisheries in the area thought that it would be beneficial to basically stock the lakes and rivers with all these great, like, sportsman-like fish. This makes sense because people love to fish specific kinds of fish. Specific kinds of fish are different, available uh, different times of the year. We, we put fish in the lakes and streams. However, these species that were introduced were basically bullies. And the native species had to then fight for their place in the water. Oh, no. And basically in their ecosystem in order to survive. So basically, the native fish had to fight for resources and space, regardless of the personality of the new fish in school. Oh, those school (laughs) bullies. So we introduced a lot of new fish to the parks, to the rivers and lakes in Banff. And some of those were a threat to the ones that were already there. All of them are always a threat to basically everything. So it's not just the fish, it's like every part of it. So it changed the entire ecosystems and 
there's actually some native fish that aren't even doing so well anymore. Mm. Yeah. And like some shrimp and things like that. It's like wow. crazy. So the Canadian Park System says that the status of the wet slope cutthroat trout and the bull trout are of concern, and both of them are native to the park, and that's because of the introduction of the other fish. Sadly, the Banff long-nosed dace, which is found nowhere else in the world, is now extinct. Oh, R.I.P. Yep. This isn't an uncommon reaction to the introduction of new species to an ecosystem, which is why we always need to be really careful with it. However, there's still really good fishing in Banff for all you fisher peoples. One of the interesting suggestions I found on their website for Banff National Park was a new hobby or sport, depending on how you define sport, that they call fish watching nice (laughs) watch those fish so basically you get out your binoculars or polarized sunglasses and you go to specific areas that have really great clear water and you can just view the fish sounds like a really nice day actually (laughs) i mean i would get bored quickly but sweet so just watching the fish do the thing obviously a very low impact way to enjoy nature and while i think there's a place and a time for it I personally want to put a line in the water if I'm going to sit there and just stare at it. I feel you. So, also, interestingly enough, there is no natural bait allowed in the national park. And in fact, most national parks don't allow fish or amphibians as bait because it reduces the risk of introducing a non-native or invasive species. Wow. Yeah, I didn't really put all that together until today, so very interesting. Makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So, lots of beautiful water to look at. Um, You can also look at fish and other wildlife that lives in water through it. You can also catch and release, but things have changed because they added fish. Mm -hmm. Now to the land? To the land. And this is slightly complicated, so if I do a bad job, just help me. So, plants. Nothing I read blew my skirt up. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, I'm going to give a broad overview. Um, And it's probably because of the harsh climate and elevation that I didn't get super excited about anything that I read. But I was excited about everything that I saw. Oh, yeah. So it's beautiful, but like nothing too like stand outy. So, um, if you want to see some really gorgeous wildflowers, you can go to any of the three zones in the park. So, we'll talk about the three zones very briefly. The first one is the Montane, or the Low Elevation Valleys in Banff National Park, where you can find open, grassy areas and lots of pretty, colorful wildflowers. Mm. Have you looked at... So, when you look at, like, the pictures of the park, you see a lot of mountains and those beautiful lakes. No wildflowers. You have to type in, like, Banff National Park wildflowers. Yeah, I guess so. Breathtaking. They're Amazing. so pretty. Beautiful, yes. Yeah. And before we started recording, we were talking about how similar Glacier mm-hmm. National Park is to Banff National Park. I, to insert myself into this episode, I went to Banff National Park in April when it was still, obviously, very cold there, mm-hmm. so there were no flowers. I went to Glacier National Park in july so lots of flowers beautiful they are very similar in scenery and landscape and so even though i haven't seen the flowers in banff i can say this area that we're talking about and the rockies you're right cat underrated yeah justice for the wolverine and justice for the (laughs) band flowers (laughs) nice yes so moving on to the next 
area. It's called the subalpine zone. Heard that before. Mm-hmm. And you're mostly looking at evergreens. So this is like the iconic like strip of trees before you get to the top, right? Trees on trees on trees. They are pine, spruce, fir, and poplars. The subalpine zone receives more precipitation than the montane. And so there are a few wildflowers here as well, but you know, the trees like okay. so they don't you don't get as many. So the last zone is called the Alpine Zone. And that's where there's a lot more snow, a lot more rocks, and some really like sturdy, strong wildflowers. Basically, once you get above the trees, you're back in wildflower land. Back again. in wildflower land where yep. we want to be. And this is truly a place just to enjoy. The green trees and the beautiful, colorful petals. And that's all I have for plants. Sorry, it's just trees and wildflowers. Very beautiful. Maybe not the most sexiest topic, but once we post some of the pictures that we're going to on our Instagram, which everyone should follow, and once you do some Googling for yourself after listening to this episode, you'll get what all the hype is about. Yeah, and I do want to point out that you should always go and Google the stuff after because we do, like, touch a tip of the iceberg. So if you hear something you like, this isn't a show about wolverines. So I'm not going to tell you more about wolverines. There's a lot to know about them. (laughs) We're over it. But if you're not over it, by all means, the internet is your oyster. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. So, Kat, let's move on to a new segment of the episode where we are going to tell you why you should go. So what can you do? You can snow ski, hike, canoe, swim. You can take scenic drives. You can ice skate, walk on ice fields, witness amazing animals in the wild, and you can even shop and dine because there's a lot of human activity. Is that the right word? A lot of like stuff to do just like in the town of Banff as well. It's a really hop in town, like year round. You have your pick of where to stay in and close to the park. Whether you're balling on a budget or you want to treat yourself to something fancy, there are so many different places of where you can stay on the edge of the park where you might have to adventure a little bit more to some of your favorite hikes or some of the best scenes. Or you can just stay in some of those chateaus that we mentioned earlier and just Wake up and open your curtains to one of the most stunning views that you will ever see. Treat yourself Treat in yourself Banff National Park. <laughs> That's another Parks and Rec reference. reference if you did not get that, which you should. And now we're going to say Nick and Kat's number one reason why you should visit Banff National Park. And that is the views. The views. This is just As pretty as it gets, universally accepted as one of the most beautiful places on Earth, Banff National Park scenes will not disappoint. This is a promise. Our top three must-see places within the park are Lake Louise, Lake Moraine, and Pito Lake. And you might be thinking, okay, those are a bunch of lakes. But these lakes are in valleys surrounded by some of the most beautiful mountains you have ever seen. Truly gorgeous. And like, mic drop. Yeah, seriously, that's all you need to know. That's that. You don't need to know anything about the trees. (laughs) You just need to know that they're pretty. That they're there and they're pretty and we love them. Kat, do you have any interesting facts about Banff National Park? Oh, I don't. (laughs) Not a one. I got you, girl. (laughs) I mean, I think like everything we've talked about is always interesting and factual, but uh, 
I'm I'm here to uh, say some more. I'll take every other one if you don't want to just talk the whole time. You have them pulled up? I sure do. Perfect. Okay, first is the Bright Blue Lakes. As previously mentioned, Lake Louise, Moraine Lake, and Pedo Lake get their amazing color from the glaciers that surround them. In the springtime and early summer, melting glaciers run into the lake and deposit fine rock known as flower, ground by moving glaciers, which in turn refracts the sunlight. The color can change daily depending on the light but in general you can expect to see these lakes to always glow a bluish turquoise in the summer and that's not an exaggeration Mm -hmm. it really looks like a kindergartner went to the lake bippity boppity booed it the most (laughs) vibrant cool blue color it's like really unreal and i have always just admired it and appreciated the color that it is but i've never thought about why it's that color but now we all know now we know now we know it's all that flower Banff has about a thousand miles of hiking trails. Whether you want to summit a mountain or take a cruisy walk to a glacial-fed lake, there are endless options. One of our favorite hikes is up to the Lake Angie's Tea House, which you will take 433 meters to the Lake Angie's and its astonishing views of Mount White and Devil's Thumb. This is a 7.6 kilometer. Why are we doing kilometers? I don't know. Sorry. Because we're in Canada? I don't know. Okay. Sorry, I guess so. Round trip moderate hike. Best done between late May and early October. Your reward for making it to the tea house is, of course, tea and treats in a gorgeous setting. Tea and treats in a gorgeous setting. <laughs> there are mountains shaped like a castle. Known for its unique shape, Castle Mountain, appropriately named, is a hard one to miss. It is named by James Hector in 1858 after he described it as looking exactly like a giant castle. Way to go, James. Creative. Yay! (laughs) It may take you a few minutes to drive Castle Mountain's length on the road as it stretches for nearly 16 kilometers. We're doing kilometers because we're in Canada. Someone do some quick math. How many miles that is? I don't know. It's less than 16 miles, but I'm not sure. You can stay the night at Castle Junction at the Castle Mountain Chalets, which is a great jumping off point for access to Bow Valley. Is it Bow or Bow? I don't know. Gosh. Why are you asking me? I'm sorry. Parkway and Lake Louise. Can me? <laughs> sorry. Banff National Park is... Oh, this is exciting. Banff National Park has the world-only distillery in a national park. Park Distillery is a top spot for dinner, but don't pass up a sip or three of the house-distilled spirits. The pure glacial water and TLC poured into its small batches make for a distinctly delightful tasting experience. They also have an on-site shop, so you can carry home a souvenir from the world's only distillery located in a national park. I think that is such an underrated fun fact. One, that there's a distillery in a national park is like, that's not something you would ever think of when researching national parks. And two, that it's the only one in the world. Yeah. That's so cool. All right, lastly, Banff has one of the most beautiful golf courses in the world. Kat, are you a golfer? Mm, No. Me neither, but I can appreciate a pretty location to golf nonetheless. Oh, they have a connection with Scotland. That makes sense. Didn't you say that Banffshire? Banffshire. Yeah, Scotland's where golf started. Oh, well, great. Excellent. Look at that. Uh, The Fairmont Banff Springs Golf Course is over 100 years old and considered one of the most beautiful in the world. As golfers play through the course, they're treated to awe-inspiring views of the massive rock walls of the Canadian Rockies. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. If I ever pick up golf, which like I'm not encouraged that I'm going to, um, maybe I'll play around in Banff. Well, I feel like it's something we should probably think about starting to do. I mean, it's, you know, we are getting old. I guess so. I'd rather pick up pickleball. Oh, <laughs> but you can't do that in places like Banff. Uh, maybe one day. Yes. If I have anything to say about it. Kat, do you have any more questions, comments, thoughts, philosophies, intuitions, or ambiguities? All of the Canadian websites I looked at are far superior to any of the websites I saw in the United States or in Europe, for that matter. I don't think I've ever looked at a Canadian website, but like they're just so logically like just very thoughtful websites. Wow, what a great compliment! <laughs> Way to go! Nobody cares. Canadian five websites. No, that's fine. I asked and you answered. Well, if you found this episode even just a little bit interesting, you should share it with a friend. Don't be greedy. I know it makes me feel so good when I get a text from a friend with a link to a podcast they just know I would love. If you think someone else would enjoy this or any of our episodes on America's National Parks, make sure they know about Made for You and Me. Follow us on Instagram at MFYAM Podcast to stay up to date on all episode releases and see photos of the amazing places we talk about in each episode. Thanks for listening. You'll hear from us soon. You're beautiful. Bye.